The number one coordinate for health and longevity is strong legs, believe it or not. Thigh muscle mass inversely correlates with mortality. Going to live to 120, I think. (laughs) Top leaders. Meaningful conversation. Actionable advice. Bulldoze complacency. Ignite inspiration. Create impact. Produced by the Southwestern family of companies. This is the Action Catalyst. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. On this episode, guest host Stephanie Moss continues her discussion with Stephen Kotler, the New York Times bestselling author of books like The Art of Impossible, Abundance, and Stealing Fire, as well as an expert in the neuroscience of flow states and the executive director of the Flow Research Collective. His latest book, Nar Country, is out now. Okay, so I want to talk about your next book coming out. This new book is not because of your aging, even though it's a book on aging per se. Two things. One, people absolutely have a fear of getting older. And secondly, they absolutely have a fear of dying. And I think that's why in our society, there's this culture, I would even go to the point of saying an obsession with trying to stay young, mentally, physically, spiritually, with all, everything why do you think we have such a fear and how much of that do you think influenced or impacted the idea of taking everything that you know and putting it specifically towards a challenge yeah so back in the 90s uh, ernest becker won a pulitzer prize for a book called the denial of death that was literally about how we are so death phobic right that like most everything that you can think of, our cultures, our societies, our religions, take your pick, they're all reactions against this fear. It definitely seems to be very hardwired. It has a huge impact on our psychology. And if you're interested in training things like peak performance, you have to sort of acknowledge it and work with that. That's part of getting our biology to work for us or anything against this. Well, we can't pretend it's not there. So that's part of it. I, by the way, use a Tibetan death practice. So every day when I hike my dogs, uh, there's a standard Tibetan death practice, which is a three-line mantra, which is everything isn't permanent. Death comes without a warning. This body too will be a corpse someday. And I repeated to myself for at least five to 10 minutes every time I'm hiking my dogs. That's really positive. It's really, but it's, <laughs> it, you have one, um, it, so recognizing that change is foundational to uh, life is part of what you do to maintain a healthy mindset towards aging. Uh, It's one of the ways to train mindset is to notice because the brain tends to trick us into believing that stasis is is that we think we're the same person that we were 10 years ago, 20, and we're not at all, but it's this, this, uh, this illusion of self and things like that. So the brain notices and and tries to protect the stability and we don't see, right? So one, noticing that everything has changed. This actually like lessens our fear of aging. It's one of the things that, that does that. So that's, it's really useful. And the other thing is, it's a really solid reminder to sort of live every day as if it was your last, because it very much could be. And well, I think those are, those are important things. And I do them because I'm like everybody else. I'm scared of them. You know what I mean? I've got the same fears as everybody else. So like, I'm just trying to work with it. But the second half of your question, which is the real reason I wrote in our country, the old idea about aging is what I like to call the long, slow rot theory. And it's the dominant 
theory of aging that most of us are familiar with is the idea that most our, our mental skills, our physical skills, they they decline over time, and there's nothing we can do to stop the slide. And I mean, then they stop start declining early in our 20s and our 30s in some cases, right? And this was the dominant theory of aging, and it turns out none of it's true. Well, actually, a little bit of it's true. It turns out that all the skills we used to think decline over time, what we now know, and this is overwhelming, is that they're all user or lucid skills. So if you never stop training our, these skills, you can hang on to them and even advance them far later in life than you thought possible. Now, I should also say that like of the skills, why am I in this work? Where, like, where did it come from? Flow science is deeply baked into adult development, peak performance aging, all this stuff. It's, it's, it's a big part of it. And one thing to know is that flow is foundational for peak performance. It becomes even more important for peak performance aging. But like everything else, our ability to get into flow diminishes over time um, for a bunch of reasons. We can talk about why you have to counteract that with training. And so that's kind of, you know, at the center of, of what the book is. The other thing that the book is, is it's really about a applied flow science. So like, it's really easy to teach people about the biology, the cognitive literacy, but the day-to-day application, how do you do it on a day-to-day basis is, is as I first of all, it's individual. And second of all, it changes on a day-to-day basis. And our country is a, is a diary right through this like hard physical challenge that I, that I take on. And the reason it's done that way is because it's a recipe book in a sense, it's not written that way, but like if, you know, it's Tuesday, I have to go to work, I am don't feel great, I didn't get a ton of sleep, and I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety. I also know I need to, like I've got a presentation, if I don't hit it out of the park, this whole project is going sideways. It'd be really great if I could drop into flow in this high challenge situation. So how do you do that? What's the recipe for flow when you're starting there? And that's what this book also allowed me to do, is sort of break down on a day-by-day basis, you know, this is how you go after the state. This is how you use the triggers. This is how you sort of deal with wherever you are at the time. Super fascinating. Okay. Do you plan to retire? No, no, no. I So Daniel Levitin is a neuroscientist at McGill. At the same time as I was writing in our country, he wrote a book called Successful Agent, where he, we basically, I ran a bunch of studies and did a whole bunch of other stuff, but we read the same like 5,000 papers. They're on the, the papers that basically show his the long slow route theory, the fact that all our skills decline, it really starts with Freud in 1907. Freud makes a comment and it's like off to the races. And between 1907 and like 1995, all we do is prove Freud right. We just get so nitpicky about what declines and when it declines. And by like 1995, the general, we're just screwed. I mean, like we're just a really bleak story. And then bits of data start showing up. And by now it's it's all, that whole idea has exploded. But it it didn't it was sort of one at a time, uh, a, a a little little bit in a row that we started to figure out, oh, wait a minute, it's it's not that these things decline over time. They're all trainable. How do we train various things has been a puzzle that people have tried to figure out because some of it is less than obvious. What I think is telling and interesting, and where I think I want to go with this is if you think about one, if you think about aging, most people think that's a problem for later, not now. And what the research shows is that peak performance aging starts young. So there's stuff you want to do in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, right? Like every decade, 
there's really boxes to check that are really important. And the second thing is most of what we hear, right? Let's say you don't believe the long, slow route there and you think there are possibilities. What you're tapped into is like longevity science, regenerative medicine, biohacking. All those things are, they may be real, they may be fake, but they're very much cutting edge. And it's going to be 20, 25 years before we actually know. So regenerative medicine logs, every science is the second generation, basically. All the, all the stuff gets started in the around 2000s, first generation. There's like 10% of that's left that we were like, oh, yeah, those were good ideas. The other 90% has been <laughs> thrown out. Right. So the other side of this is the big levers, what like mindset. There's these psychological interventions in a sense that really matter. And so on the other side of the, the long slow route theory is the stuff, most of the stuff that people are doing is the wrong stuff. They're reaching for these like biohacks because they, they they think those are the tools. And yet we've got 50 years of science that say, oh no, maintaining robust social connections really matters far more. Exercise. The number one coordinate for health and longevity is strong legs, believe it or not, for preserving cognitive function, physical function, everything. Thigh muscle mass inversely correlates with mortality. Going to live to 120, I think. <laughs> this is great. Nice. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with one wild fact. You'll like this. So how do you stave off cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, and dementia? We know. Lifelong learning. Why is that? It's expertise and wisdom. This is one of the reasons flow matters so much over time is flow, as we know, automatically expands wisdom. So why does that matter? Wisdom, think of the difference between expertise is about like facts and strategies and tactics and systems, right? That's expertise. Wisdom is emotional intelligence writ large. It's, it's some other things, but that's sort of what it is. And they're, they're separate categories in the brain. But what's cool is that most cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's is in the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain behind your forehead. And from an evolutionary perspective, it's the most recent part of your brain, so it's the most vulnerable to disruption. Expertise and wisdom form these wildly diffuse and redundant, key here is redundant, networks across the prefrontal cortex. And so the brain never learns one way to do anything, whether it's an emotional problem, wisdom, or a physical problem, expertise. It wants like 11 different ways to do the thing, right? And so redundancy is baked into everything the brain does. And so what happens is expertise and wisdom and the wisdom we get in flow on top of and the expertise we get in flow, they not only make it give us better performance, they make us wiser over time. That wisdom is actually neuroprotective against cognitive decline. Why? Because what good would wisdom be if we can't pass along to our grandchildren? So when you get wiser, you live longer because evolution wants you to be able to pass it along. In fact, the craziest stat in people performance aging is off of this, which is grandparents who hang out with their grandkids and pass along knowledge. When their grandkids get to childbearing years, they will be more fecund. It's one of the reasons we started to realize it was one of the things about humans that we violate the standard. Most species, they reproduce and they die. Humans don't. So why is that? Why, right? Why, and why do we live multi-generations? And, it, and it's this reason. So the more contact between grandparent and grandchildren, they're more likely to have that you're going to end up with many grandchildren. It's crazy, right? It is crazy. Super sincere. Thank you for your time today. This has been hopefully kind of fun. This was fun. Super insightful. Thank you. If they're interested more, stephencollar.com is me. Flow Research Collective, getmoreflow.com, 
and uh, narcountry.com is the website for the book. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you have. Oh, hey, I got a question. On your shelf back there, is that a picture or a book? My eyesight is terrible, but it looks like a guy's got boxing gloves on. Are you talking about this? Yeah. Right there? It's my wife holding a dog. Oh, my God. Okay, please do not put this on there. I can't see anything. Um, oh, my God. Please don't know I said that. Do not put that on there. That is so funny. No, I think you really got to keep this in. Please keep this. And it's worse. Okay. The dog's dead. Stephanie, friend of animals. <laughs> If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And as always, thanks for listening. 